and that's when people make is the, the times when they 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 go the craziest, right? Is <laughs> is after the race. They're like, I just earned it. That, you know, that's exactly I'm go I, crazy I, and eat. I just did it, man. I ran a hundred this weekend and pigged out after, man. I just <laughs> and no, dude, I I understand that mentality. I I think that way too. I am not exempt from that way of thinking. You're listening to the Run the Riot podcast, where we talk about all things ultra running. I'm your host, David Terrio, and man, I'm pumped that you are here. Let's see what we can get into today. Hey guys, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Run the Riot podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're not going too crazy being cooped up. But you know, the good thing is you got a little extra time to listen <laughs> to the Run the Riot podcast. Hey, today we've got Jeff Browning. Uh, Jeff is amazing. He's 48 years old and he is still kicking it, man. He is tearing it up in races, winning races left and right, finishing top 10 at Western States. So I was just privileged to be able to get him on and, um, uh, the guy has things figured out with the way he eats, the way he exercises, and for him to be uh, still in such amazing shape and able to run at the level he's running, listen, he's doing something right. So, man, we got in the weeds a little bit with diet and exercise and all kind of things, and he <laughs> I, just super, super interesting, super encouraging to to hear how he's doing things. And look, I'm 45 years old, um, and uh, so I can still be getting better. So I want to challenge, tell, you know, challenge you, whatever you've got going on, whether you're older, whether you got some, some things that restrict you, um, you can overcome, man. Just figure it out. You know, keep tinkering, keep trying things. So I hope you enjoy it. Jeff's a good guy, uh, very intelligent and, uh, yeah, enjoy it. And I uh, hope you get some things out of it. Here we go. Today on the Run the Riot podcast, uh, I've got Bronco Billy, Jeff Browning here. Uh, Jeff, how you doing, man? I'm good. How are you today? Man, I'm doing well. Just uh, staying in the house a whole lot, you know? Yeah, yep, exactly. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Are you able to get out and get some uh, training runs in? Yeah, we've been having pretty good weather. We've kind of had a springs, you know, hinting a little bit here, which is early for, for Montana, but um, I've been able to get out. We're, we're, we're shelter in place right now. So non-essential businesses are closed down, but, uh, we are allowed to go to parks, city parks and, uh, and trailheads and stuff like that. So we, we have plenty of trails around. So I've been, I've been getting out quite a bit. Good. That's good. Uh, I was run, here in, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma area. Um, yesterday we were, uh, actually ran a virtual hundred and, uh, it was kind of funny Saturday. The weather was beautiful and people were in the parks like never before. So that's a, that's a, a good side effect of things. People are getting outside. So yeah, that's, there's a lot more, there's definitely a lot more people outside. The trailheads are pretty, cr have been pretty crowded, but people are respecting each other's space. So it's been good. Good, good, good. Well, well, Jeff, man, you've been a guy that, um, that, that you know you've done some you've been you've been running for a while and you are just you just keep killing it you did sports before you got into just running so tell me a little bit about like your background so the listeners can hear you know how, what kind of sports background did you have before you were running and all well um you know i i grew up in in the in missouri um uh, in the 80s 70s and 80s so uh you know it was traditional sports um basketball and baseball and football and track and field. And so I played four sports a year, uh, from when I was about, you know, young enough to play. Um, and you know, all the way through, through high school played, uh, played sports, um, you know, almost went to a small college on a, a wide receiver football scholarship. Oh, nice. Um, and, um, kind of at the last minute decided I wanted to go to a bigger university and, decided not to do that. Um, ended up at university of Missouri and got into mountain biking when I was in college in 90 hmm. in the early nineties. So I, I started really started cycling in earnest in 93, 94. Um, and just that, that kind of became my, my pastime. I, I had a bunch of buddies. We shared a house in college and we all worked at, I worked at a bike shop, two other buddies in my, in my, sh uh, the house I lived in, 
uh, roommates worked at opposing bike shops. <laughs> um, so we were kind of like the little bike gang, you know, mountain bike gang nice. um, in the 90s. And then I moved to Colorado after that and was really into mountain biking, got into climbing there, um, backpacking, stuff like that when we moved to, to Colorado in the late 90s after college. And, uh, um, then when I moved to Bend, Oregon in 2000, I, I was, uh, I kind of got into, uh, that's when I started getting into ultra running. I ran my first ultra in 2001. Nice. So, I mean, so you've always been just, just active and, and doing stuff. Yeah. I mean the whole time through and I, I love, I mean, I was fortunate enough to have a, a, a high school football coach, um, who had gone to the university of Nebraska and he knew the coaches there and he had a, he brought, um, the Nebraska strength training program from the eighties to our high school when I was in eighth grade. So, um, we started, you know, it was kind of a, it was kind of a, I don't know if you called it a requirement, but it was a, a, an unwritten rule. If you wanted to start on Friday nights for football, you went out for PE and our PE coach was the head football coach. And he had us on the Nebraska strength training program four days a week, year round. Um, nice. from when I was in eighth grade through senior year. So five years of the Nebraska strength training program before I went to college. Um, I continued to lift weights in college, um, all through college and, uh, you know, four days a week, kind of a similar, very loose program, but very similar to the strength training program we were, we were kind of brought up on. Um, yeah. and then I kind of, I walked away from strength training for, you know, maybe five, four or five years in my tw- late twenties. And while I was chasing a graphic design career, um, and was into other sports and other things, but I, I eventually kind of took it on and off, kept lifting on and off through the years, but really started to strength train very consistently around the time I turned 40. Um, so I was on and off in my twenties and thirties. I would, I would, I would lift in the, in seasonally. And then I, you know, kind of like fall off the wagon a little bit and then I'd lift consistently and then I'd fall off the wagon again. And, um, but strength training really fixed some knee issues I was having in 05, 06, yeah. Um, seasons in the off seasons. I worked with a, with a, a private strength training coach, um, for two off seasons in ultra running. I was just having like, you know, patellar tendonitis and all kinds of issues with like kind of runner's knee. And, yeah. um, he, he kind of helped me through those times and, um, got me strong again. And then I kind of quit having those issues that fix the issues actually. Well, since since you started doing that, because um, that that's one of the things I, I really wanted to touch on uh, while we're we're talking. Um, have you have you since you know since dealing with those? I mean, have you had major injuries? No, just accidents. Like you know, okay, I got hit by a car in 2011. With, okay, I didn't hear about that. I don't uh, remember that. <laughs> I got hit by a car when I was um, bike commuting. Oh wow! Um, broke, had surgery on my hand and broke my fifth metacarpal. Oh, um, cracked a rib, um, you know, in hindsight, whacked my shoulder a little bit. I, I kind of did a body check in the back, like basically rear ended an SUV, um, oh. in a roundabout. So, um, I had to go in about 20 miles an hour on my cross bike. And, um, and, you know, so I, I've had to rehab that shoulder a little bit in my, you know, the last, you know, six or seven years. Um, but it's, it's in pretty good shape. I just have to be really conscious of it. Like when I'm doing, you know, strength training, I make sure I lock my scapula down when I'm doing my form. I just got to be careful of my form. Cause it went, it wants to like, it wants to go out like a chicken wing a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> I know, I know but, exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just doesn't, you know, when I do a push up, it doesn't want to stay locked. So, you know, it, it's just, you know, some muscle imbalances you can fix with strength training, but, um, yeah. I mean, no major injuries to answer your question. I, I yeah. you know, like since that, you know, the strength training really fixed things. I mean, I've had a few things here and there, little things like plantar fasciitis. Um, but I had most of my injuries in the first four or five years, first four or five seasons getting in the sport, yeah. 2001 through like 2005, I was dealing with a lot of stuff, um, mm. on and off just constantly. And once I fixed those muscle imbalances, um, I haven't had a lot of major injuries, uh, besides the feet thing, like plantar fasciitis was one that I finally fixed with just strengthening and foot mobility. 
Yeah. Yeah. So, so you, you, I mean, you, you've, I know your lifting has, has probably changed a lot over the years. And, um, I, I don't know if you remember, but, uh, at, at Western States, I talked to you briefly and I told you how, uh, my wife and I were doing your tough 21 for a while. Oh yeah. And, uh, man, that thing kicked my butt and I'm, I, I lift all the time and I've always lift and I'm doing this with lightweight and it, it kicked my butt, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's, it's intended to be like short and sweet, but a lot of work and a short amount of time you know, we're runners and we want right. to run. And so I, I don't like to have to, you know, especially coaching, I don't like to coach people to, to do something for, you know, go lift for an hour when they could li- when they could get a lot of work done in 20 minutes, you know, 21 minutes. So, um, right. that's really why, where that came from was trying to, for me personally, you know, trying to balance a career and r- racing at a high level and, um, and then, you know, being a, a, a husband and father to three kids. Um, so, you know, I, I, there's not a lot of bandwidth left in there. So I had to make time efficient things. Yeah. Yeah. I I understand that a hundred percent, man. So, um, well, you're lifting, how does it, you know, because because cross training, I, I really believe in that it's important and I try to do, you know, a lot of it myself. How does, how does it look, you know, like a off season and then, and then during your running season, what do you, you know, Tough 21 is probably, you know, and it's part of it, but is, is that what you're doing all the time or are you doing um, more strength heavy stuff off season I, or I do? Well, I usually lift an extra, I usually lift two to three days a week in the off season. Okay. Usually try to, I try to do it three days a week. Um, usually one, one or two of those are more tough 21 type, um, exercises or sometimes a body weight, uh, workout. Yeah, where it'd yeah. be like, you know, air squats and band work and core and push-ups and pull-ups and stuff like that. But other times, you know, um, I'm, I lift a little heavier. Like in the last, this year I've been playing around with, um, um, I read a book, I'd listened to some podcasts with um, um, Jacques DeVore. And I don't know if you're familiar with him, but he's a, no. a, he's a, um, a cycling coach, but also a, comes from a powerlifting background. And okay. he has, he wrote a book called maximum, maximum overload for cyclists. And I read his book and I really liked his ideas there. And I had, you know, I had some of the stuff I was working on with, with the, the concepts of tough 21 were similar, but he was bringing more, um, power lifting concepts and then working on a power, a power program where you do like some kind of movement, you know, um, uh, moving weight. So strength training is like, you know, lifting weight. So you're getting strong by lifting weight, but a power move is, is taking that weight and putting it in, in, in motion. So velocity, right? Yeah. So strength plus velocity equals power. Mm. So, gotcha. so that idea of like, you know, working on mobility, then working on strength with power, with power lifting concepts, which means like heavy weight, low reps, Right. So yeah. you're not going to bulk up. That's the whole point of a power lifter is not to bulk up. Right. It's, yeah. it's all about being as light as you possibly can, but as strong as you possibly can for that weight because it's weight classes. So mm-hmm. I like that idea. So I've been taking some of his concepts from his book and, and working on some some uh, evolution of the tough 21. Um, nice. Um, and using that concept of maximum sustained power. So because really what you want to do is if you look at like, you know, a race, uh, an endurance event it isn't about or a cycling a long cycling event a long ultra running event it's not about your maximum power right it's not your uh you know how many watts you can pull on a bike or how fast what speed you can run up a hill is isn't really what wins the race who wins the race is who can hold the maximum sustained power Mm. meaning the maximum percentage of that max power so yeah. what's the, the percentage, the highest percentage you can hold for the longest period of time? And that's what I'm interested in with strength training. So I'm interested in developing that maximum sustained power. So um, I've been kind of playing around with some of those workouts that he kind of has in his book and then evolving them to be more running specific. Um, so taking what I, my own knowledge and like evolving them a little bit, it yeah, fit, yeah. fit running better. Um but I've really, really liked those. And, you know, I've been doing Tough 21 for years and years. I, I coached it at a gym um, in Bend, Oregon before we moved to Montana. So, um, you know, I, I, I really uh, have been doing it a long time. Yeah, so, yeah. 
so it's nice to have it's kind of refreshing to have something new to be kind of excited about yeah um, yeah so i've been kind of playing around with that this year um kind of maximum sustained power sets yeah um and and some more like higher weight le- lower reps well well this this is interesting and i hope you don't mind me asking this but like how how tall are you and how much do you weigh uh, I'm 5'9", 140, 142, somewhere. Okay. Like well, because, yeah. you know, I've come from a wrestling background, and I did a lot of lifting and and, and, um, and all that. And, and the hard part, you know, I want to maintain strength, mobility, all those things, but but not bulk up, you know. And, um, you know, trying to – I end up bulking up a lot, you know. And so that's that's yeah. interesting to me. I need to look into a little bit more of that, you know, where – I get a little bit, you know, more, de- more defined and, um, it, but not gain a whole lot of weight, you know? Well, and, and the other thing too, is if you're running a decent amount of volume and you're doing stuff like tough 21 workout, you're not going to bulk up very much. You right. know, that's, it, it, that's not really what that's going to do. Um, right. and neither will, you know, um, powerlifting type exercises, you, you know, they're not going to bulk you up a ton. If you're running, you know, if you're running 10, eight to 12 hours a week, you're cannibalizing muscle, yeah. right? Your protein yeah. needs are high. Yeah. So, you know, that's another thing I coach is like, you know, nutrition as well. And, and, you know, I'm big on protein intake, you know, because, okay. you know, and the other thing is, is not, not overdoing it on carbohydrates. I personally, that's my own philosophy. And I know not everyone out there agrees with me, but, yeah. but I think strategic use of carbohydrates is, is, the key to endurance sports personally. And, and I think, you know, eating four or 500 grams of carbohydrates a day is just, is going to really be, you might be able to do it when you're in twenties and thirties, but by the time you hit 40, you're going to be putting on, you're going to have trouble keeping weight off. Yeah, man, I'm 45 and, and, and I can be running a lot in a high, you know, like nonstop. And if I, if my diet's not on point, uh, it, it collects, man. It's, it's yeah, it does. Well, yeah. And crazy. our, our metabolism slowed down naturally after the age of 35. And we add about a pound of, we lose about a pound of muscle per year after the age of 35. And that's on average, but, yeah. but that's a lot, you know, yeah, if you, sucks. if you're 45, right, that's 10 pounds. So yeah. You know, that's 10 pounds worth of muscle you've lost. Even if you're the same weight, that means you have more percentage, a higher percentage of body fat. So th- that's the, that's the, that's the struggle, right? And, yeah. and our, our current, our, our former understanding of protein has changed in the last five or 10 years. And that, that recommended value is going up, especially for someone over age of 40. So, mm. you know, you, I tell my athletes a hundred, uh, basically you need to be hitting, uh, your grams, grams per day of protein intake should be hitting what you weigh. Meaning I'm 140, if I'm 140 pounds male, I should be getting 140 grams of protein a day. Um, and keep, keep yourself in protein synthesis. Like that should be your focus is protein intake and protein and fat intake first. And then carbs. That's how I tell my athletes, protein, fat, then carbohydrates. Because those, t- the, the fat will help with muscle, or I mean with, uh, with joints, it'll help with skin, and it, it's going to help with A, D, A, E, and K are fat soluble, so it's going to help those vitamins in your diet uh, absorb and be utilized. Um, and so we definitely like concentrate on protein and fat first, and then carbohydrates are used um, still used, they're still very appropriate. I'm not saying no carbohydrates and I'm not a big advocate for a strict keto diet either. Okay. Um, but I, but I do use it as a tool occasionally and I do, I, I use carnivore as a tool occasionally. Okay. So I look at it more as that. meals, you know, yeah. or, you know, Hey, I'm going to have a carnivore meal or I'm going to have a keto meal uh. or I'm going to have a strictly a carbohydrate meal. If I just came back from a run, I'm going to, I'm going to first prioritize within the first 30 to 45 minutes, I'm going to prioritize protein intake to get myself in protein synthesis to repair from the damage I did while I was exercising. And then the next thing within a two hour window, I'm going to concentrate on carbohydrate intake so I can top off glycogen and, and while the body's, when the body's in the good glucose uptake state, Mm -hmm. it's going to utilize glucose and, and then you're not going to store it as fat because any excess carbohydrate in the system is going to get converted to fat yeah well, if you can't utilize it 
Right. Do you, now, now you you consider yourself fat adapted when you when you're running and all. I mean. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's really what yeah. when you're when you're concentrating on protein and 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 that's the other thing I would a not, side note that I would say about the ketogenic diet and a lot of there's been a lot of keto you know keto talk. I'm a keto athlete, whatever you know people yeah. saying they're keto athletes. But I would say in endurance sports, when we're looking at keto and anything you're reading on ketogenic diet, it is geared towards people who moderately exercise or don't exercise at all or right. have a metabolic issue. So it isn't a diet to be followed strictly for someone who's exercising all the time, especially ultra runners. Right. You know, we're running, we're, we're training a lot per week and, you know, minimum of five or six hours, maximum 20 plus hours. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, depending on your bandwidth and depending on who your schedule and what kind of job you have, um, and if you have yeah. kids or not, you know, like some people are training a ton and, and you can't, you can't do that on a ketogenic diet, on a strict traditional ketogenic diet. That's where I, that's where, you know, the optimized fat metabolism angle makes sense. And that's where there's so much misinformation about OFM out there. It, yeah. it frustrates me, but, but OFM is all about carb is about using carbohydrates. It's just timing them when you need them. Yeah. And, and that's the real secret to it. And that keeps you fat adapted. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway. And that, and that, yeah. And that, and, uh, in fact, I was telling a guy I was running with this weekend, um, you know, I, he, he said, do you, you eat keto when you run? Or he was talking about how he crashed because he tried to eat keto while he was running a race. Or, and and oh, I was no. like, I was like, no, you, you dual fuel, man. You know, you gotta, you gotta take your carbs in when you're running. You yeah. Know? And the whole point is that you want a dual fuel source and using those carbohydrates strategically and more timing, thinking about versus having them all the time. The yeah. timing, the great thing about that is it, it, it doesn't downregulate your glucose burning. So you can still burn glucose efficiently, but you, you also are optimizing the fat burning as well. So then you're dual fuel source and that's the beauty of it. So when you out, do go out and do a long run, you should be trickling in some car, simple carbohydrates, you know, whether that's a powdered drink or whether it's gels or chews or, but think about like IV drip of calories versus, you right. know, bombing your gut with a hundred yeah. grams, yeah. hundred yeah. with, with 20 some grams of carbohydrate think five grams of carbohydrate, right? Yeah. Or 10 grams of carbohydrate the most at a time. So that way the body doesn't have a major insulin spike, you know, anything, you know, ballpark, anything over five grams is going to give you some kind of an insulin response. And you see your pancreas is going to have to kick out insulin to get your blood sugar back down. Cause your mm -hmm. blood sugar is going to rise. But if you can, you know, IV drip that every 10, 10 minutes and mm -hmm. have five grams every 10 minutes or something like that, then you're, then you're talking, uh, uh a more sustainable energy and your body's going to be able to utilize it. You're not going to have with GI stress. Yeah. All those, yeah. All the, all those kind of things. So, so what are you, uh, like, let's just say for, for a race, like, like Western States, what are you fueling with, you know, uh, like the day before morning of, and during the race, how, how do you fuel for that? Well, I, t I typically, um, you know, I'm, you know, if you back up to the peak training block, I'm, I'm yeah. training through the peak training block, my carbohydrate intakes higher. Um, okay. I'm eating a decent amount of fruit and potatoes, sometimes some white rice, um, uh, depending. And I usually will utilize white rice and potatoes more, um, as a resistant starch, which feeds good gut bacteria. So if you let it cool down, if you cook it, so you cook it, let it cool completely, whether that's room temperature or put it in the refrigerator and then you reheat it. So huh. the cooling process after heating of potatoes and r white rice will create a some of the glucose gets converted to resistant starch, which feeds good gut bacteria. Really? So, yeah. Huh. So it helps your gut biome. Huh. Um, so utilizing that strategically, I'll use that during big training blocks. Um, and then usually, so I've, I, you know, I usually put on a little bit of water weight during peak training. Mm -hmm. So in order to get back down to race weight for me personally to drop, you know, that two or three pounds of water weight and extra stuff because of my carbohydrate intake has been higher, um, to get me through that big training block. Um, I'll, I'll about two weeks out, 12, usually 12 to five days out from the race, about mm -hmm. a seven day window. I'll go more keto carnivore. Um, I, I will err on the side of more protein than a traditional keto diet, but okay. I will eat, eat a more ketogenic style of diet in the taper that will cut weight naturally without sacrificing calories. Um, I just shift my macros to be protein and fat focused versus carbohydrate focused. Nice. What that okay. does is like 
gets rid of the water weight, um, cuts me up, gets me lean. You know, I'll drop two or three pounds, sometimes even four pounds. Yeah. Um, that'll get me under 140 usually. So wow. for, if I'm peaking for something like Western States, I usually show up there at 138. Wow. Okay. Uh, um, so I'll show up at 138, be full, super lean, and then um, about five days out, I'll bring back carbohydrates strategically again. You okay. know, so like just around like, oh, I, you know, easy, easy running that week. I'll eat, you know, I'll bring my carbs, some carbs back, but not go super crazy, but I'll bring them back, you know, more than just a keto kind of strict keto type carb intake. Um, and that, that will, you know, top off glycogen and get me all topped off right before the race, yeah. um, without putting on any weight. And then I show up ready to, ready to roll. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, it's, it's funny. I mean, I've heard of, I, I did the carnivore, uh, just tried it out, you know, for a month and yeah, I got, I got ripped, <laughs> ripped up for doing, well, doing you, that. you will, you will. Yeah. The only problem is I, I find personally is I like, I mean, I like fruit, potatoes, mm-hmm. I like vegetables, you know, like I think we're omnivores, like, our, yeah, yeah. you know, we are supposed to eat plants too. I think we're personally, this is my own opinion and, <laughs> and, and everybody can is feel free to, you know, to not agree with me, but I think, I think we are mainly carnivore, Yeah. but omnivore we, but we do eat omnivore, meaning we prefer carnivore as our baseline, yeah. right? If it, cause if you take away all technology and you take away, you know, refrigeration and all that stuff, and we have to go back to eating seasonally and, and gathering and chasing our own food, I guarantee of- the first thing you're going to go for is <laughs> is you're going to go hunt because yeah. that is the most calories. That's the most calories you can get for your buck. Yeah. Right. Or for yeah. your, or for, for, for your, for, for your spear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, it, I'm sorry, but you're going to starve. You go try to gather yeah. Yeah. Especially in most, in most latitudes. Now, if you're living in like a tropical location, that's a different story. Yeah. Right. But most people don't. So if we throw it, you know, out here in the, the, the mountain West, like I'm going to go get an elk. You know, <laughs> yeah. so, um, you know, those kind of things, you you know, it just makes sense from an ancestral perspective that, yeah. you know, that's where we came from. And and our and our digestive tract is is similar to a dog's. Right. So, yeah. you know, we're, we're really you know, a dog is still mainly a carnivore, but an omnivore. He's they still eat some vegetables and they, they eat, you know, they graze, but right. they mainly eat meat. And that's kind of what. I think we're really built to do. And I think the, I think what's cool about the carnivore movement, you know, is that it's showing that, 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 and it's, and it's opening up a conversation to talk about the toxicity of plants. Yeah. And, and there is a toxic load when you eat broccoli or you eat kale, especially kale raw or spinach raw, you're getting a high oxalate load and, and understanding that those things cause kidney stones, right? That, so didn't you, know that. Yeah. <laughs> have, so like, I have kale and spinach every morning in my green shake. And so I didn't, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. So like understanding that like you can break down some of those oxalates, but the, the conversation really here is that I like is that it's bringing up that, Hey, yes, plants are good for us, but there's also a risk factor to eating them as well. And understanding weighing those risks and knowing how you need to prep your food, you yeah. know, to, to, to minimize those risks because they're not risk-free. So, you know, I, I think that's the cool thing that's coming out of this conversation, yeah. you know, and it's, and it's helping people, right? I mean, that's, yeah. that's, that's a bigger thing than just the conversation that it's taking people that are metabolically compromised and it's fixing them or helping them get, have a better life. And I think that's an important, that's something to, to acknowledge and mm-hmm. not, not downplay. Yeah, I I've, I know know some people who like with severe psoriasis of, on the skin and in the joints and all that, and they went carnivore and they're doing. I mean, this is these are not athlete, you know, not an athlete, but doing great, you know, on on a more carnivore diet, you know, and yep. yeah. Well, I bought I bought um, Paul Saladino's book, um, The Carnivore Code, and I've been kind of working my way through that. It's like 650 pages though, and yeah. like 700 references. So wow, it's a it's a textbook kind of, but. Yeah. But the the interesting thing about it is is he goes into the details and the science of of the toxic load from plants and understanding that which has made me think about my what what plants I eat. Yeah. Meaning I still eat plants, but right. what plants do I eat? 
meaning I'm going to minimize the toxic load on my system. Mm. And, and so I think there's, it's a cool, cool conversations coming out of that movement, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, it, it, yeah, interesting. Cause, uh, uh, so, I mean, what, what, just, just right now where you are, what's your preferred green vegetable that you're, that you're at? That's, you know, <laughs> well, I do, I eat a lot of, I eat a lot of steaks, um, romaine and okay. arugula salads, I got you. um, yeah. with like sheep feta cheese and, uh, either black olives or Kalamata olives or green olives. Um, very simple with, um, yeah. some carrots cut up um, sometimes, sometimes some onions for taste, um, you know, just very simple salads. Um, yeah. and, um, I really like, uh, primal kitchens dressings. So okay. I use primal kitchens dressings pretty exclusively, uh, in our household, at least that's what we use. And okay. then, um, you know, I, when we have potatoes and we have, you know, we still have broccoli and, and cauliflower and, um, um, we mix it up, you know, yeah, yeah. um, cabbage and, and sauerkraut and all those kinds of things. So we mix it up, but I always have a, you know, I have a, lo- a local farm that's only about five miles from my house. And, yeah. um, I, I get a quarter of grass fed, grass finished beef from them every fall. So I have, a, you know, I have a quarter of beef in my, nice. in my freezer and, that's um, cool. yeah, I, so when, when the craziness was going on with the COVID thing, I'm, you know, with all the, all the, uh, everybody getting grocery stores, getting bought out, I was yeah. not too stressed because I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I got months worth of meat in my freezer, yeah. man. I'm I, good. Can, <laughs> I can survive. I'll go carnivore if I have to, um, you know, yeah. my whole family can go carnivore if they need to. I know we can survive. Um, you know, I've got, I also got friends that hunt and, um, I've got some moose in there. I got some elk, nice, nice. um, you know, that have, I've, I've kind of, you know, those animals are so big. A lot of, a lot of people will kill them. And then, you know, once yeah. they have all the meat in their freezer, they don't have enough room. Yeah, please, so they like start meat. passing out to friends. So <laughs> I'm on that list at least. That's a good list to be on, man. That's yeah. Good. Oh, I'm, I'm going to take up hunting next. I mean, this next season, now that I'm in Montana, yeah. um, I, I really want to, I've never, I, I used to hunt growing up, you know, I've killed I don't know, 14 deer in my life. I've, yeah. You know, I've done all that. I've, I'm not, a, I'm not afraid to hunt. I got guns. Yeah. I'm from South um, Louisiana, man. You don't have to tell me I'm the yeah, same. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, for me, I like, you know, I, I really like the idea of the whole process of hunting and going and tracking and, you know, yeah. having to, having to process it and cut it up yourself. And, you know, you, you're literally getting your hands dirty. And, um, yeah. I like that process and I haven't done it since I moved out West for 20 years, but I've been saying, I want to, I want to, I want to. And finally, now that I've moved to Montana, I've got multiple friends here that hunt and they're willing to show me, show me around a little bit. And so in the fall, that's one of my plans is to go get myself a, get myself an elk in the freezer. That's cool, man. And, and depending on how you do it, it can be a heck of a workout too, man. If you get, Oh dude, it's, it's hard work, man, <laughs> especially in Montana. I mean, we, we, and we, and it can be dangerous too. Yeah, you know, yeah. The Grizzlies here, uh, the problem is we don't have a Grizzly season. So, oh, um, really? we really need one. I personally in Montana, cause our, we have a huge, huge population and it's it growing really? and, yeah. um, a gun going off in the hunting during the fall is like, you know, Pavlov's dog of the bell and the dog starts sal- salivating. Yeah. yeah. A gun now brings grizzlies running to Come the to the on. sound of a gun wow so what's the <laughs> yeah it's put it's putting some hunters in um in in more danger because of it and and we have a huge because we have a huge population we really need a limited season here at least in our state um yeah. you know other states i know have very limited populations of grizzly and they're trying to bring them back but we are have a he- very healthy population yeah so i'd love to see that change in the next you know decade um, because, you know, I've had some, I, you know, there's a few guys out there that had some close calls, you know, you have to, you have to get it off the ground quick. Um, yeah, no kidding. You're excited cause you killed something, but then, <laughs> holy yeah, crap. You're fighting off a big yeah. grizz. Yeah. <laughs> wow. It's like, no, that's my meat. Um, yeah. so yeah, it, it, it's a little hairy here sometimes in hunting, but, but that's okay. Um, you, you yeah. hunt with, you hunt, you don't hunt solo here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, <laughs> well, um, so, so, um, yeah, so, so eating, I mean, 
I, I was I, I didn't realize you did some of the you know the carnivore stuff too and all so that that's pretty interesting I'll be curious to see kind of you know as you, how your journey continues with that and you know as you you know progresses with your with your diet um so like um so leading up to it you you know you kind of go carnivore cut some weight you introduce some carbs and what do you do like the night before like western states and in that morning how do you what do you do to kind of get your body that last little prep um, I just kind of eat normal, my normal meals. Okay. Um, and you know, I'm morning of, I'm, I'm just eggs and avocado, um, a little bit of a cup of coffee with some heavy whipping cream. And, yeah. um, that's all I have on, on race morning. And, um, and then during the race, I'm just, I pretty much go on only, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sponsored by goo. So I do on goo roctane, okay. uh, the grape. So non-caffeinated uh, powder drink um, the whole race. Few, maybe maybe 20 gels total, maybe 15 to 20 gels total here and there strategically yeah. um, throughout the race. And then uh, fruit mainly at the aid stations, a little bit of fruit. Um, and that's kind of my protocol. Um, yeah. I take some Vespa and some uh, uh, some ketone esters a few times, the HBMN okay. product. Um, both of those, I'm sponsored by both of those as well, but, um, who's the, who's the ketone esters that, what are those that H H V M N. Okay. Um, they, they, uh, I haven't heard of those. Well, they were there that, that study, the studies or the, the, that was produced out of Oxford university. Mm -hmm. Um, and then they are, um, they were kind of the first ones to market with that products is, is that just like like a beta hydroxybutyrate just the the you know in a form that tastes good <laughs> no it's not the ketone salts um okay, okay. so it's a ketone ester so it okay, actually okay. um it kind of works more it, it actually gives you a lot bigger bump in ketones than okay than the uh ketone salts so um and and you know it, it's uh um i use it kind of like more as like a I think of Vespa and that is more of an HVMN is more of a supplement. So during the race, I have them kind of every once in a while. Like, you know, I have a Vespa every two hours during the race and I take an HVMN ketone ester, maybe, you know, like say Western States, I took it at mile 30, 55 and 80. Okay. Gotcha. Huh. Yeah. Like three times. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, just to just to give give kind of give it give it all a, just, a boost. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and just to give you a different fuel source because it, it gives you a ketone surge for a while, and um, it gives you a little bit different your body something a little different to fuel on than just straight glucose. Yeah, which is a nice little change, and it gives you a little more. I find it gives you a little more focus too. Like if anybody's ever played around with being on a keto diet or a carnivore diet, you can you can when your ketones are high, you you have this very cl good clear mind and clarity yeah. and focus and um i find the same when i'm using that during a race um i can keep in the moment really really easily and not mm. be kind of like mind wandering all over the place yeah. um i find that's a benefit um the other place that i found that it actually in the studies are kind of backing up um is showing that to use it use the esters as a recovery as a recovery focus so after mm. big hard efforts um using it like right afterwards um helps with like inflammation and that kind of inflammatory response and get your ketones you know surging to help you recover faster well how, how long have you have you been uh how long do you consider yourself having run more fat adapted or or uh, you know optimal um yeah. let's see I, I i did the shift uh end of 2015 so okay december of 2015 december 1st i switched my diet and then ran hurt 100 seven weeks after that. Um, that okay. was my fir first race. So hurt in 2016 was my first race, you know, kind of doing this and I've stuck with it ever since I've tinkered, you know, I've tinkered with carnivore keto, taking my carbs a little higher, taking them super low, no carbs. I've, I've kind of tinkered with it all. And I've kind of found the balance is really kind of somewhere in the middle mm -hmm. where, you know, I'm, I'm erring on the side of extra protein because the beauty of extra protein if you're an athlete, the beauty of a little extra protein is one, you're going to, you're going to be in protein synthesis. So you're repairing muscles. Yeah. You know, so, so secondly is that any excess protein 
is just going to get converted to glucose, which is going to top off glycogen. Exactly. Through, yeah. Through, yeah. Through gluconeogenesis. So that's the beauty of, you know, erring on the side of extra protein is that you're, you're not going to be, you're, you're definitely going to help yourself top off glycogen, even if your carbs are kind of low. Yeah. So, so it stands in the gap. If you in, end up going like, Oh, I went a little too low on my carbs today. Well, the extra protein is just going to get converted to glycogen. So you're fine. And I always find that I don't, don't quite have the flatness when I err on the side of more protein. Um, if you're doing a more keto carb protocol, meaning lower carb, but, but with erring on the side of extra protein. Yeah. Did, did you notice, um, when you, when you went more, um, uh, uh, when you, when you made the switch, did you notice like faster recovery, maybe less inflammation? Did you, was it a noticeable change? Absolutely. Kind of a, kind of a game changer for me. I mean, I was 40, Let's see, when was that? 2015, that would have been 44, 45. Yeah, you're, you're um, right 44. now, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm 48 now. Almost, okay. I turned 49 in August. So, my, That's awesome. I mean, I, the biggest change was the inflammatory response. Yeah. Like, I just did not, like, it was like night and day. I mean, I had done 2200s before I made the shift. Yeah. Um, and now I've done, let's see, 30, 3800s. Um, so I've done a, a lot of hundreds since, since that shift. Yeah. Um, and I feel just, just like I bounce back quick. I, I just don't have the swelling I used to have, you know, after hurt 100, I, I definitely was taking photos of my ankles and my knees after the race and I was doing air squats, um, and just texting my wife going, Oh my gosh, this is crazy. <laughs> awesome. yeah. I mean, but you know, Zach Bitter had told me that, you know, mm-hmm. going into it. He kind of emailed me right before that hundred because he kind of he 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 really um, mentored me before that. Him and Peter Defty at Vespa, yeah, really were kind of both intricate um, in in integral part. Sorry, not intricate. Integral is what I mean. Integral yeah. part of like helping me through that early process of what what am I doing? And um, and I he he sent me an email like the week of the race and said get ready for the recovery. It'll blow your mind. And I was just like, (laughs) I was like, okay. Like I kind of, you know, I kind of like didn't really think about it that deeply because I was like, yeah, whatever. Um, but afterwards I was like freaking out and and enough (laughs) that two of my friends shifted their diet and are still eating that way today who had crew for me. Um, Jesse Haynes and, um, my buddy, George, who works at Patagonia. That's um, awesome. You know, he's now a primal health coach. So okay, he went through the primal health coach thing and you know, primal blueprint or whatever, uh, Mark Sisson's program. And um, but he was like game, same for him, game changer. Like yeah, you know, like you feel younger, you're leaner, you're you're strong, you don't you don't have all the inflammation, you don't have GI stress. You know, there's all kinds of tons of benefits. And that's yeah. why I've kept on it. Like that's what has kept me here since 2015 is it, it, it's like night and day. I, yeah. you know, it, I just, you know, I figured it out Now it took some tinkering in the early days. You know, I, I probably went a little too low carb in the early days that first yeah, year. Same, same. <laughs> um, and, yeah. and most of the people, that's when they quit. They, they don't do it anymore because they feel flat and they don't feel great. Yeah. Um, so most people don't give it enough time or enough tinkering because everyone's a little metabolically different, right? And unique. Right. So some people need a little more carbs. Some people need a little more protein. Somebody might need a little more fat, you know, for that particular person, it really depends on, you know, your cultural background, you know, you come from a, you know, Mediterranean descent. Did you come from Northern European descent? Did you come from like Africa? You know, everybody's different and where your ancestors came from and way, the way they ate, will have a be a factor yeah that's and and, you know you say a lot of people like i did i did carnivore like i told you for a month and uh i i felt it it was a i i use it kind of like you as a tool now you know um because because man my runs were getting flat you know I, i needed more but it was just for you know for a time and um yeah, I might I might do like you, man, and you you know that weekend, you know, ten fourteen days into racing to lean up. That's a good idea. Well, you think know, about I, that. I think it more. I think of it more as like meals. So like, yeah, what kind yeah. of meal am I gonna have? Am I gonna have a carb meal? Am I gonna have a carnivore meal? Am I gonna have a keto meal? You know, yeah. like. So I I think of it more on individual meal basis or days. Yeah. So like a lightweight day, I'm gonna have a lot less carbs 
yeah. for example, or, you know, um, you know, or sometimes I'll just be like, yeah, you know, I just, I'm in the mood to just eat three quarters of a pound of hamburger. And, yeah. you know, and I'm a good just, mood. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, and I'm satisfied and then I don't want to eat anything for like six hours. Yeah. Um, you know, even if I've worked out hard. So like there is benefit to use it, using it, utilizing the, all of those things as a tool. Right. Yeah. And not just like, that's why I say, I don't like to say I'm any one thing. Right. Kind of a combination of all of them. Well, how do you, uh, cause, cause you coach and, um, you know, I know, I know you, um, I think you coach, uh, Mike, Mike McKnight and, uh, I do prob- probably some others. Yeah. And he, he, he talks a lot about some of the things that he's, he's tweet, you know, working with and everything. Uh, do you, when, you know, when you're coaching someone, I mean, the, how do you recommend that they eat? Do you just kind of, you know, give them kind of what you're given now and try to find out what works for them? I, I give them parameters around like, you know, Hey, if you, if you did a hard workout with strength training and maybe some, some, some intervals or some, you know, faster running or, or it was a longer run, you probably should have higher carb intake that day. But if you had like a rest day, well, that's yeah. a great day to do carnivore or keto type eating meals those days, because, yeah. it, you know, we think about it more on a micro level, like a day to day basis. Yeah. And I, I just kind of guide them through that and, and, you know, think about timing as well, you know, talking about that, that 30 to two hour, win, 30 minutes, two hour window after a workout, that's yeah. when you need protein first, then carbohydrates. And then, and then you can go back to like, however you kind of prefer to eat, you know, most, most of my OFM athletes are, are kind of using it the way I'm using it. And that is kind of ebbing and flowing according to effort and volume. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of, um, I don't know, in a way that's easier and in a way it can be harder because it's, it's easy to just say, I eat this and I don't eat this, you know? And it, yeah, right. And so, well, some people need that. Some people yeah. need like, I need a rule, you know, yeah, they need all these yeah. rules. I like to try to coach people into intuitive eating, right? meaning right. ebb and flow according to what you kind of, what's going on in your life and, and all those different things and what, what goals you have and, and, and that, you know, but I do help some people, you know, lose 35, 40 pounds too. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, if they're willing to be, you got to be a little more strict yeah. when, if you're trying to lose 40 pounds, but, but once you're in that, once you're in your good weight, then you're, you you want to be in maintenance mode and, and maintenance mode is intuitive eating. Yeah. You know, you, you want to get to that point, ideally to be happy. Otherwise you're just constantly fretting about what you're eating and that's, you don't need stress in your life, more stress in your life over right. what you're going to eat. Right. You know, just eat. Yeah. <laughs> eat real food. Eat, eat, yeah. Real food. Stay that, away that, from the middle aisles of the grocery store. Hey, there you go. There you go. Shop the corners, man. <laughs> exactly. So, so when, when you're done with a, with a race like Western States, man, what's, what's your go-to recovery meal, cheat meal? Carnivore. Carnivore. Really? <laughs> I, I go more pretty heavy on protein. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've done carbs for 20 some hours or whatever, or 16 hours. Yeah. And yeah. I'm just kind of over it. Um, and I find that that's when I'm the most strict I try to be after races because then I get inflammatory response really low. If yeah. I, you know, that's one thing I've been tinkering with since carnivore kind of came out. I've started playing around with eating carnivore based meals in that first like 72 hours after the race because mm-hmm. any excess protein is going to get converted to glycogen. So you're going to top your glycogen back off, but that's you're going to keep your inflammation low. Um, and, and, um, and I've tinkered to a point where I've, you know, maybe gone 24 or 48 hours going carnivore after the hundred and then like brought normal carbs back and yeah. like, you know, had a pe- had a grain free pizza or, uh, you know, ate a bunch of potatoes or whatever. <laughs> and my inflammation comes back. So like I, I retain water and I get swell back up. And then if I cut those carbs, then I lose the water weight and I lose the inflammation. So um, I think there is something to That's it crazy. as a recovery tool. Yeah. I'm still, t- I'm still early tinkering with that. Like I've only just started doing it the second half of last season. Yeah. Um, so it's new, like I'm, I'm, I'm playing with it. Um, but I, I've had a couple athletes try it too with good luck. Um, yeah. some of my OFM athletes have kind of tinkered with it as well and it seems to work. Um, you know, and, and, and then after a couple of days, you know, after 72 hours, you, you've gone past the, like the, that initial like hardcore when you're sore and and hobbling around. Yeah. But if you can knock that inflammation down in the first 72 hours 
and get your back, your body back to homeostasis faster, then, and that's when people make is the, the times when they, they, they go the craziest, right. <laughs> is, is after the race. They're like, I just earned it. That, you know? That's exactly I, crazy. I, and eat. I just did it, man. I ran a hundred this weekend and pigged out after man. I just... <laughs> and no, dude, I, I understand that mentality. I, I think that way too. I am not exempt from that way of thinking, but, but I, I do think if you can rein it in for me personally, yeah. I've seen benefit in it for me just in my N equals one experiment. Well, it makes it makes sense. I mean, it, it does, you know, it, 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 it sounds logical, you know, so yeah, I, I'll, try it. I'll let you know. Yeah. I mean, I still, I still think like, you know, having a little, you know, I don't think you, I mean, I don't, I, I would urge everyone out there. Don't go crazy. Don't, don't you know, you don't have to go yeah, yeah. like it's crazy, but I, I am an, I'm a tinkerer. That's just who yeah. I am. I like to play around and experiment and, yeah, yeah. um, and what better person to experiment than on yourself? Cause I'm not hurting anyone else. <laughs> but yeah. then after it works, if it, if I find it works, then I, you know, people I, that I've been coaching a long time and I know they get this, I'll say, Hey, try it. Hey, it worked for me. Tinker with it. Yeah. And, yeah. and they'll try it and they'll go, Hey man, it worked for me too. You know? And, and I'm like, Oh, cool. You know, so there's there's actually, you know, more data there. Not a lot, but there's more data, you know. Yeah. So yeah. that's twice as life, much as right? before. Twice as yeah. much. You know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh, that, that that's cool, man. That's awesome. Well, um, you've done like you said, you've done 30 something hundred milers and 38. And 38. Yeah. And you're still trucking. And, and so you, you're doing something right. And um, and so. I mean, throughout the course of all of those, are are there? Um, I mean, I hate I hate that. It's kind of a cheesy question, but like, man, what's what's your like favorite race or standout moment? You know, like what if you look back over like where you are from now? Like if you look back and like, man, that was that was you know, that was um, great. I mean, there's a lot of good memories in there. Tons. It's hard to like pull one out as the top. I mean, Hard Rock's one of my favorite courses. Well, I was about to bring that one up when, you know, in, uh, you won two, th- you run it in 2016, 2018, 2018. 2018. Yep. And oh, that's, I'm looking at hurt. Sorry. Yeah. And you won hurt. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's cool yeah, too. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of good, the, I mean, there's a lot of good memories in there for hundred mile wins, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, at 20, I got oh, 21, 21 now. So 2,100 wins. So, you know, there's a lot of good memories in there, but, um, you know, hard rock's probably one of my top courses. I love that course. Um, I love the event, the whole vibe of it. Um, yeah. you know, I, I also have a soft spot for Western States too, because it's the, it's the dance, it's the show, man. I mean, yeah, it's, man. the hoopla is crazy there and it's intense and the racing there is off the hook. You know, it's yeah. just racing for the top 10 there is, um, you know, in my age, still racing into the top 10 is really, really something special. And, oh, dude, it's legit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we we throw down. I mean, you have to bring your A game, <laughs> yeah. you know, to that race, you know, for this old dude to show up. I have to bring my A game. Um, well, so, yeah, it's just I, I don't know. There's a lot of different races out there that I just love. But, you know, those are probably, you know, yeah. Hard Rock's probably number one, I have to say. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, like, okay. So I got, I got in the States last year. I was in it. I got to go last year and, and, you know, of course I got in, you know, through the lottery. And, um, so having, having done it and it, and not being a hot year, man, I give you guys props, you know, I, oh, I got dude, my it was cold last year. Yo, whatever, man. It was still, it was, it was, it still was that was not hot. Well, that was, that was 15 degrees cooler than normal. Well, That's those, crazy. Yeah. Like, it, well, that's why the times were so fast, you know, yeah, the top 10, no you know, kidding. I mean, we were hammering at the end. I mean, I normally get to the river in the afternoon and I want, all I can think about for the last five miles to it is I'm going to, I can't wait to get in the water. I can't wait to get in the water. Yeah and, yeah. and even when we have to take the boat across, there's always a little calm pool. They let us dunk in uh-huh. before you get in the boat. And I didn't even dunk in the water last year. Like we had to take the boat across, but I didn't even like, I didn't even think about it. It wasn't even that hot, you know, cause I'd done all this, all the heat training to get ready for it. Cause yeah. you know, a lot of times, even if it's cool right before, yeah, for some reason, the week of that race, Oof. the temperature just shifts <laughs> and a heat wave comes in right before the race, even if it's been a cool June. So I was ready for it to shift. Yeah. And then I got there and it was just like, wasn't even hot. Um, so that, yeah, you, it's, it's an inferno, man. I always feel like my brain's kind of boiling. I'm losing oh, like wait. 
a lot, a lot of, you know, brain cells in that race. <laughs> it's so hot. Um, so. Well, the canyons were still, I mean, co- just compared to everything else, the, for me, I mean, I'm from South Louisiana too, but this canyons were still pretty warm, man. Yeah, climbing warm. out of those things, I was, I was like, golly, man, what's, <laughs> it's rough. Yeah, they are, oh. they are warm. They are for sure warm. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so uh, speaking of heat training, what kind of what do you do uh, for heat training for Western States? You do some sauna stuff. You you yeah, put on some layers. Yeah, a little and... bit of sauna, but mainly layers and go run. Um, gotcha. Gotcha. You know, maybe five six sessions in the last two and a half three weeks, um, yeah. spread out every few days. And you only keep adaptation for maybe five days for yeah. heat. So you kind of got to like, I try to end on like Monday or Tuesday before the race. So okay. or or and, you know, I usually do my last session right before I head to Squaw Valley. So, um, you know, it just depends. But usually just you know, layer up a ton and sweat for an hour, hour and a half and go run really, really easily. Carry carry a salt tab and and a one handheld water bottle for an hour run. Yeah. Uh, um, and take care of myself. And, and, you know, the first su- session sucks and the second <laughs> session's better and third session's even better. And um, But it's enough to get you some adaptation and be ready. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you find, uh, does it get pretty warm where you are in, in Montana or, you nah, know, you not in Bozeman. No. I, you know, I, yeah. the last couple of years I've been in, I was in, um, Utah. We had moved to Logan, Utah for two oh, okay. years. We were, only, we were only there two years, but, but two Western States, um, I trained in, in Utah and they get, a they get, it gets warmer there earlier. So it was easy to get out in really hot wet. I mean, with layers and, and it was, you know, in the eighties already. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Montana's different. I'm in Bozeman, so we're, you know, we have a long winter. Um, and, you know, it's a, it's still, you know, we're having a heat wave today and it's 55. <laughs> oh, nice. Um, <laughs> you know, cute. but but it's supposed to be high of 30 tomorrow for wow, the next three yeah. days and snow. <laughs> so we'll, we'll have snow again. It, it, snow is not done yet. Um, hey. We're dried out, but we've been, we had a snowstorm last week, but it melted pretty fast. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's pretty, it's pretty mild here in the spring, so I'll have to layer up a lot, but this year not because it got canceled, but yeah, well, that, I was going to bring that up, man. Um, yeah, that's, that's a big, a big bummer for, for a lot of, a lot of folks on, you know, understand the yeah, totally have to be made understand. and everything. I, uh, what, what, what is, you know, with Western States being out, I know there's a big question mark on everything. What's, what are you, what's possibly next for you? Uh, well, hard, I'm on, I'm in hard rock. So, yeah. um, you know, we'll see on hard rock too. I mean, yeah. I know that they're talking, uh, um, and what weighing their options. Um, you know, yeah. if that gets canceled, I'm in run rabbit run in September. Um, that would be the next race after hard rock, but okay. I'm hoping I'm, I'm so hoping hard rock can, I'm hoping this thing chills out and we can have hard rock. Um, yeah, I hope just so. Be, I mean, you know, selfishly, <laughs> I haven't I haven't run hard rock since 2014 on fresh legs. Oh so, man! <laughs> so I've had I've had you know 2016, 2018 were both you know right after Western States. Yeah, so yeah. So I'd love to peak and show up to hard rock like ready for that race and yeah. like only thinking about that race. Yeah. So I have to say uh that would be ideal for me i would love it um but you know i understand if they have to make hard decisions so right and well and uh, one of the things you know the hopefuls with hard rock is the field is not huge so um they, you know if they need to make like concessions for the way they do some things you know with eight or whatever it might be doable you know maybe i don't know yeah yeah <laughs> they might you know I, I i do know that they have a lot of entities they have to deal with you know different yeah. entities like to get permits uh, and I, I, you know, if any one of those entities, you know, says, nope, then there's nothing they can really do about it. So, yeah, yeah. you know, that they have to like, they're, they're at the mercy, mercy of those entities that they have to get permits from. So, and they're multiple permits. So, right. Um, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll back them however they decide yeah. to do it. I'd hate yeah. for hard rock to get canceled two years in a row though. Yeah. That, that's terrible. That sucks. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, um, well, man, I always like to ask, uh, you know, especially when I get, you know, somebody like you on, on the on the horn here, man, um, kind of kind of about certain things that you use any any equipment you use. I always like to I, I kind of know this one already, but uh, but, you know, for the trails, man, what, what shoes are you wearing? Um, my favorite right now is the new Ultra Temp 
2.0. Okay. Um, I was a um, pretty involved in that in the wear testing and feedback loop of that shoe. Yeah. Um, I really like that shoe. I, I ran in some prototypes at Western States last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I also love the Lone Peak still. Um, yeah. That was always my favorite. That was my favorite trail shoe. Um, so I've been running in that a lot um, as well. Because in the winter here, the Lone Peak RSM, the waterproof with the Gator. Yeah. I mean, that's my go-to with with sheet metal screws in it for studs. <laughs> nice. um, that's kind of what I run in. And then um, V, the new Viho, I've been uh-huh. running in that a lot on the road. I hadn't tried um, those out yet, man. They, 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 they got good response? Yeah, it's good. It's um, It'll kind of remind you of the Torin a little bit, but okay. not quite as big a stack height and not quite as mushy or cushy. So okay. it's a little firmer midsole. So it gives yeah. you a little bit quicker feedback in my opinion um i just like the the mid it's it's sleek it's lean it's got mm-hmm. good traction still it's for light. a road shoe it's pretty yeah. light um so those are kind of my main go-tos i still run the torn i got a couple of versions of torn floating around here that i still get out for cruiser runs in or yeah. easy easy flat trail runs um stuff like that but you know temp temp and the lone peak are still my go-tos gotcha um and I and I'll occasionally run in the in shorter races. I will run in the in the Superior. Yeah. Um, but I use the Superior more for like a kick around around town shoe. Um, <laughs> just because they make an yeah. all black version, I think it's like you know it's a little Johnny Johnny Cash man you know man in black <laughs> style. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. I ran my first hundred in the in the uh, original superiors, and uh, but I'm as I'm getting older, I need a little more padding under my feet. I still I still have one of the bright yellow pair. I like them. Oh, I but those. uh. Not not for uh, not for long runs anymore, just short ones, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Yeah. Well, um, I know you uh, you use handhelds a lot. What kind of are did you when you wear a pack? What what kind of pack you use? Well, I've uh, Patagonia. Patagonia makes a, the slope runner vest, four liter okay. slope runner vest. That's the that's what I've been using the last few years. Um, great, you know, kind of form fitting, stretchy, super micro adjustable. Um, so most of my mountain races, I'm using that, that pack, um, just with soft flasks. Okay. Um, and then handhelds at Western States, um, I'm using ultra spires, uh, okay. handheld and, uh, um, yeah. And I, yeah. and I use, I, I do use ultra spires, uh, race, race belt, um, the fitted what? race belt for holding my poles at hard rock. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yep. And they're lights. I like their, I like their waist lamps. Um, so I've yeah. been using their waist lamps as well, but, uh, yeah. yeah, that's kind of my, that's kind of my gear go-tos on, on that kind of stuff. And then clothing's all Patagonia. So, okay. um, which has been for almost two decades now. Yeah. What, what do you use, uh, for GPS? Um, I've been using, uh, I have a Sunto, um, Sunto nine is what I use okay. for, for Same, my watch. Yeah. Um, and then on big adventure runs and stuff like that, I do use guy GPS app. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I pay for that, that subscription, yeah. um, for the downloadable maps and all that kind of stuff. So that's what I use on big adventures or venture running, or we're, you know, being doing big linkups or something when training, um, you know, and I'm, you know, I've only been in Bozeman since August, so, uh, it's all new to me. So I'm constantly yeah. using my GPS using still. Maps, yeah. 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 Well, uh, w- one more question and then, and then, uh, and then a statement. So here's, here's a question and you probably get it. Um, you, you know, you're coaching Mike McKnight and probably some other guys. Any, any thoughts on a 200? Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> next year. Next year. It's 2021. I think I want to do one in 2021. Okay. Um, all right. Unless, unless hard rock gets canceled and everything gets pushed yeah. to next year. Um, you know, I, I probably wouldn't, but, and, and I'd, I'd hold it off one more year, but, um, I've, I've coached, you know, I coached Mike McKnight to the triple crown yeah. victory last year. Yeah. Um, he, he ran awesome. He, he nailed did. it. Um, and uh, you know, my friend Jesse Haynes ran, uh, last year ran, um, Bigfoot, um, and Ben light, uh, and I are yeah. friends too. And Ben, that's right. Ben told me, you know, I should run Bigfoot. Um, so Bigfoot's on my list. Okay, it, all right. I've started my tentative um, schedule for next year already. 
just stuff that I always like forget about, you know, and like, yeah. Oh, I need to do that. Like, uh, um, I want to do, uh, three days of Silomo in Arkansas in March. Have you ever, have you ever heard of that race? No. What is that? What is that? Uh, so that's like, uh, it's like a three day, I think it's a, it's a 50, a 50 K, a 50 miler and a 20 K in three days. Okay. <laughs> um, and it's down in by mountain mountain view, Arkansas. So it's down there right in the middle of Ozark national park down there in the big hill, the big mountains, Ozark mountains, like yeah. for that part of the country, that that's big mountains. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it's beautiful down there. I've done some running, some, just some adventure running down there. And I really have wanted to come back for that race. Um, so I've got that on my list next year too. And, um, uh, three days of Silomo and maybe Bigfoot. We'll see. We'll see if, if hard rock, if hard rock gets canceled, then, then Bigfoot might get pushed to 2022, but, um, we'll see. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Well, I, I'm in, you know, I interviewed, uh, Mike McKnight and I met him from before and, uh, had a lot of questions about the triple crown. Cause I, I'm in to do it this upcoming year and oh. you know, ter- terrified. I've done t- the Tahoe 200, but you know, we'll see if it gets pushed too. We're not right. sure yet. <laughs> But, well good luck with that yeah thanks, that's this man. year you're in it this year yeah i'm in it this year so cool. i'm in i'm in, in the throes of prepping mentally and physically for it so yeah cool um well man uh the last thing i just wanted to congratulate you on um when ultra ultra running magazine um the the ultra runners of the decade um as i was you know reviewing stuff and i was like yeah that's right jeff got third third you know for ultra runner of the decade and i was yeah, right on. Congratulations on that, man. I think yeah, it's, uh, there's a lot of really, really fast folks on that list and strong folks. Um, someone pointed out that there's only like three of us that had actually raced the entire decade every, every year. Um, oh, <laughs> I thought that was interesting. <laughs> that interesting, is interesting. That's interesting good. bit of trivia. Yeah, I think that's good. Me, Bitter, and Ian Sharman. Um, I think the three of us are the only ones that have completed an ultra every year of the decade. That's hey, that's that's awesome, and that's really good company to be in, bro. I know, right? I'll take <laughs> yeah. it, especially yeah, at my yeah. age, man. Yeah, no kidding. Well, 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 man, Jeff, I really appreciate you taking time and sharing, man. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing, you know, where your journey continues, man, and uh, just appreciate all the wisdom, and man, keep hammering. <laughs> yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on the show, and uh, yeah, and good luck with the triple crown. Hopefully, it happens. All right, appreciate it, man. Thanks. Uh, all right. <laughs> There you have it, folks. Uh, as always, you can go to www.runtheriot.run. Uh, you can see some of the other podcasts that we've had, some of the guests that we've had, and uh, click there for links to each one of the podcasts page. And uh, like with Jeff, you, I'll have links to his uh, social media, um, to his coaching page if you're interested in that, and uh, just probably some various links on some things we talked about. Uh, guys, I hope you're doing well. Uh, keep your head up. Hope you're not going stir crazy. Remember to, uh, you know, keep running, man. We can get out and run so far. They hadn't put a restriction on that yet. You know, jump on a treadmill, do some squats, do what you can, you know, and don't forget, call somebody up, check on somebody, tell them you're thinking about them. Uh, maybe there's somebody that does need some help that you can, uh, you can help. Let's, let's be that kind of people. Let's be that kind of community, uh, and reach out to others. And, um, anyway, Hope you're doing well. Uh, you bored? Reach out on social media, man. Uh, we'll be glad to talk to you and uh, just, just see how you're doing. And uh, yeah, take care, guys. God bless.